Hey. It's a good vibe to start the episode. Thank you to wherever you're listening at. Let's get it started. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Your Money, Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Delano Soporu. Thank you for listening this week. If you're new, we're here to talk finance. We're here to have a great interview for someone. We're also here to learn a little bit. If you're old time and current and continuous listener, I really appreciate you. Everyone rate, review, five star. If you give me four stars, I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. But thank you anyways for listening. I really appreciate it. This week, we have a lot coming up on the plate. Um, last week, actually, thank you for everyone that listened last week. We had a great interview, and that was the second most played episode since episode one. So I really appreciate everyone tuning in and, and staying um, staying with your ears close uh, and streaming streaming the podcast. Um, let's try to get as much literacy out there. That's the reason why I started doing this. There's no other reason. You know, you know, I don't get paid to do this. I just love it. Um, and I really like spreading literacy throughout, um, you know, as much as I can. So really appreciate all of you guys for listening. This week, we're going to do our market update. We're going to talk about the stock market, what's been going on in the past week uh, or several days. We're going to do a company update. We're talking a little bit about um, overseas um, issue with a company that had fraud. So we'll dive into that. We'll do our stock talk. We're talking about Nike, what's been going on with Nike. They did their earnings report for their fiscal fourth quarter. What happened? We'll dive into that. And also we'll talk about Ask an Advisor. We had some cool questions come up this week. So I'm going to give you cool answers. And we're here to learn from each other. And I hope you guys enjoy that as well. So starting with the market update, Yesterday, we saw a big plunge in the stock market, COVID infections increasing in the U.S. So the Dow dropped around 700 points. That was yesterday, meaning um, we are, it would have been Wednesday because today is Thursday. Um, today, we were a little bit flat, a little bit up, but yesterday was the big market mover and it was driven based on, you know, people being worried about the infection rates increasing. And, um, you know, I talked about, I tweeted about this and put it on my social media. I thought it was a healthy pullback in the market because, you know, we've seen, we've seen a big rise due, due to reopening optimism and, you know, reopening has occurred across the nation. And so the market um, adjusted, you know, accordingly uh, with, a, with, an, with the rise of, you know, transaction. Um, and so that's, that's, that's been seen, that's been taken into account, that's been priced in. And then we saw yesterday a, a drop. And I think, you know, again, I've talked about this, um, the Corona, we talked about it a lot in the podcast. I think the bigger metric that people should be focused on, or at least, you know, I feel like I'm focusing on is not just the infection rates, because as you do more testing, obviously cases are going to increase, but actually the hospitalizations, fatality rates, what is going on with that is probably the bigger sticking point as opposed to just cases increase. So if you're People are trading off cases increase. I don't think that's as smart as actually looking at infections, hospitalizations. What is that trend? That's gonna should be a bigger driver than just cases because obviously there's a lot of people that are gonna have cases. They may be asymptomatic, maybe not even have any issues or symptoms, um, and that shouldn't be as big deal as actually looking at the underlying metric um, underneath that. But on the flip side, the tech heavy. You know, tech stocks and tech in indexes have actually performed pretty well. Again, over the past pandemic, a lot of the tech stocks, you know, 
you saw a rise in those tech stocks because of people realizing that a better, a bigger emphasis on technology, um, an emphasis on cloud is something that's going to be more prevalent in the future, not just a trend in short term, but really for long term. And so you've seen tech stocks really have a strong showing. Um, yesterday, um, the NASDAQ was actually down for the first time in eight days. So that's pretty, pretty impressive that you're seeing um, in you know the tech sector. Let's jump in and shift gears to our company update. This week, we have Wirecard, a payments company based in Germany, Frankfurt, um, actually collapsed on Thursday. They were owing creditors about $4 million after they disclosed the gap in its book. So the auditor's EY disclosed the gap in its book. That was an intricate result. It was a result of an intricate and sophisticated global fraud that Wirecard card was running. And this company was, you know, defrauding investors, defrauding the public, defrauding people, and frauding the public. And, and it was really um, discovered by EUI. Um, and yeah, and this led to them, you know, filing bankruptcy and showing that they will not be able to pay their creditors. They'd probably be insolvent by the end of the week. And that's, you know, a pretty crazy implosion that you just see based on, again, you know, again, we have to really vet these companies. EUI, after a decade of being their auditor, finally figured out or, you know, was able to figure out what was going on. So that's quite an interesting story. I'm sticking close to the development just to see how the the shakeout uh, occurs, but uh, it's a really sad story of the people that were defrauded and um, you know kind of not aware of what was going on. Um, so that's always something you have to do, you know, diligent research whenever you work dealing with money and other people. Jumping into our stock talk segment, we're going with Nike. Everyone has a Nike product somewhere with them. I looked at my closet. I have a couple shirts probably, but I definitely have two shoes, uh, running shoes, um, which I'm getting a lot of use out of as I keep continuing to run. Um, and my basketball shoes, which I'm not having that much use out of, but I'd love to start playing pickup again here soon. If anyone wants issues on the court, please let me know. But let's talk about Nike. The stock dropped um, in extended hours because they re- they. D- they reported that they actually had a total sales drop around 38%, but online sales increased 75%, but that wasn't enough to offset the drop in total sales. They need people in stores. Um, so this is actually pretty, you know, pretty expected, I would say, um, you know, but they showed a quarter, fourth quarter loss, uh, fiscal fourth quarter loss for um, on their books. Um, again, this was expected as we saw that stores were closed. Things were, you know, pretty much shut down for a couple of months here. Um, but as of Thursday, they said about 90% of their stores are open worldwide, which includes about 85% in North America. So maybe we'll see improvements as traffic and retail traffic continues to improve across the nation, across the globe. So that's something to watch for. Let's shift gears into our Ask an Advisor segment. Ask an Advisor. I get questions a lot about cryptocurrency. What is the deal with cryptocurrency? Long short, cryptocurrency is something that's very interesting, something that people should be paying attention to if that's something that's in their wheelhouse. Um, Definitely do your research. Read the Bitcoin white paper. Understand what it means, but don't just be taking all your money and throwing your money in cryptocurrency. Not my advice. Um, It's something that should be possibly a smaller part of your portfolio if you understand it. Uh, For my clients, we're not invested in cryptocurrency. Again, it's something that's still not as regulated. Have to fully understand what you're dealing with. Um, and it's basically hinging on adoption, mass adoption. Um, there's things that, you know, can help with anonymous payments. Um, there's things that can help with inflation and in certain countries, but it's something that you want to do adequate research on before diving in uh, full on. Um, so that's something you can keep your eye on for, for the long term. 
Another question I always get is, where is the market headed? Where are we headed? That's a lot to talk about this week is people understanding, are we, you know, re- shutting down? I don't see us re-shutting down, but I could, you know, change my, my mind on that. But I don't see that. Um, I see, you know, people continuing to safely um, reopen, safely do things. I actually went out for dinner this week. Yes, me, the whole homebody and, and workaholic. I actually sat outside the middle of Manhattan and had a great meal. So that is something that we're seeing people do across the country. And I don't think that that's going to stop. Um, and, and I do think, though, that, you know, if you have to understand your own horizon when investing and in, um, work with someone that knows what they're doing, like my clients do. So another question I get is what's going on with the real estate market, which is quite interesting. You're seeing um, the 30-year fixed rate mortgage, fixed rate mortgage average around 3.13, uh, which is comparatively a lot lower than it was a year ago, which was 3.73. Um, so I've talked to people and they're trying to think, should I buy now or what? And again, people love to try to time everything. Um, yes, of course, do things at the time is right for you. And obviously you can lock in probably pretty low rates at this time based on where we sit and the government pushing down, the Fed pushing rates down. Understand where, where you are geographically. Is it something that there's a geographical location that you're looking at? Um, what is the area in that market? Is it a market or area that's going to be booming um, in the next few years? That's something you always want to look at is the value of that area, the land, the, the infrastructure, the things around it, um, commercial development going to boom in the next few years. That's something you want to do. Location, location, location is super important in home buying and real estate in general. Um, re- refinancing might not be a bad idea if that's something down your pipeline as well. Um, but definitely want to weigh in all those options when deciding. All right, everyone, our interview this week, Jesse joined us. We had a great and fun conversation. It's a bit longer, so I might keep a lot of it in there um, because we just talked a lot of of great stuff. He has a lot of great opinions and articulates them really well, known him for a few years. So it's always great to interview with someone that you know really, really well. Um, So I think you guys are definitely going to enjoy this interview. Um, again, please let me know um, things that you wanted to have discussed. Call in, text me, message me what you'd like to talk about. Um, and I want to actually talk about team or client wins, client wins this week. A lot of my clients had some great wins. I'm really happy for them, um, you know, from awesome new positions to just great things that everyone's doing. So, again, we're over 100, nearly 110 people in Team New Street nationwide, worldwide. Um, actually working with someone that's stationed in the Middle East right now. So that's so important to understand that, you know, this this is really grateful and happy for the people that I'm helping. Um, and we're going to keep going towards our plan. We're just, we're still in year one. We're not even eight months in. So I'm really happy to keep working with you. Enjoy this interview. We'll be talking soon. We are live. Thank you, everyone. Back for another episode of the Your Money, Your Life podcast. I'm really excited you know, this week I have someone that I know pretty well joining. He has a lot of opinionated stuff uh, and great stuff to talk about. Um, you know, so I'm really excited to have Jesse, Jesse the third, Jesse Granderson the third, <laughs> <laughs> a long lineage of tall, smart guys. Uh, I really just am glad to join. Thank you for taking time. Yeah, no doubt, man. Um, I always say, please say the third. So appreciate you calling that out. Uh, no, of course, man. Of course, name, name is important. So we, we met actually through MLT, um, which is Management Leadership, Management Leadership for Tomorrow, for people that don't know, organization that really helps uh, minorities, you know, catapult themselves into careers. Um, and after you did had a great time at Northwestern and finished there, you went to YouTube, correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, I was 
at YouTube the last year and nine months. Uh, and funny enough, my last day was three days ago on Juneteenth, actually. Amazing, amazing. Yes, I saw the Instagram post. Congrats. What are what are the next steps for you um, after leaving YouTube? Yeah, so it's funny that you talked about us meeting through MLT. Uh, we met at MLT PD like when we were both heading back to business school. I was heading back to business school to switch into entertainment tech from a career in banking. Yeah. Um, and I remember like when I wrote my letters to school, uh, I talked about how being from Oklahoma and the microcosm that Oklahoma is and how movies opened up my mind to like more of the world that was out there led me to travel. And like the last line of my essay was like, I want to be like an executive in the future of entertainment that helps some kid see something more than like what's in their world. And so the next, that's, that's long winded as hell, but the next move for me is I'm gonna be leading original strategy for IMDB TV, which is a new Avod service within Amazon Studios. And so I feel like I'm heading that way. And so I'm excited. Okay, well, wow. First of all, congrats. You told me about this, but I didn't know you were, that that was a position and that's what you're doing. One, congrats. That's freaking huge. And no, not long with it at all. That's huge. And we need, I don't know, you know more about the entertainment industry than me. And like the fact that you're heading up some great initiative, especially with you know, where entertainment is going. That's huge. And being a young, young guy that's doing that, <laughs> that's really, really impressive. So congrats on that. So that's good. And then you're starting that soon um, and some great things. Tell me about it because you're in entertainment and kind of the tech entertainment world, which is a one a world that a lot of people are interested in, but it's super, super hard to break into. Um, what what did you do? What was your path? I know you, you know, you <laughs> a little bit differently. And it's so hard. You're like a very, very charismatic guy. So what was your path when it came to breaking into that world? Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if we have enough time <laughs> on the podcast to talk about that. All the no's I've received, internships I turned down, hundreds of um, intro networking calls I've done with people, unpaid internships. Mm. Um, but so if I had to get to the nuts and bolts of it, um, part of it was deciding first that I wanted to go back to school to switch into it. And yeah. then once I did decide, um, I, like I said, I did an unpaid internship with macro um, production studios like out in LA. Yeah. Um, and my first role in entertainment was like reading scripts and writing coverage and getting coffee after being a vice president in banking. So it was really humbling. <laughs> um, and then I just talked to as many people as possible, got to school, leveraged that for like an internship. Actually, I interned at Amazon Studios um, between my first and second year of school. And I would say the major thing was me knowing what I wanted to do and not getting sidetracked by investment banking or consulting or this thing over here. And I, I just firmly believe in kind of like the burn the boats mentality where like you decide where you want to go and then put everything behind it. Um, and there's a lot of, like I said, stories in between there. Um, but I think that's the gist of it. And actually when I graduated school, um, I didn't have a job. So you have, when you go to these, like, you know, um, I guess, I forget what, what, what's the word for like the top seven? Like uh, uh, it's not M7, is there, it's something about it. No, it is M7, it's yeah. M7 schools. So like when you go to these schools, you know, there's stats like 98% of people come out with a job and there's this pressure with your classmates are getting offers in like February, March to like have an offer and know what you're gonna do in your life. 
I went and studied abroad in Argentina my second year while everybody was getting offers. And then I graduated without a job and I was interviewing. And, you know, I was lucky enough to land a position within YouTube, but I didn't get that until September. So there was a lot of uncertainty of like where I was going to be and what I was going to do. But when I look back, that extra risk or uncertainty yeah. like gave me time to find exactly like what I wanted that set me on my path. Yeah. rather than just take the first thing that was shiny and you know had a signing bonus dude you i remember this we've had copies we had chats about it and i knew you were gonna get the right thing because the way how calm you were at least externally you're like you know maybe this didn't make sense you were very specific on like what you wanted to do wait can we stop i'm glad you knew because i didn't know <laughs> <laughs> i just felt that like because uh, you're just like very specific you're very calm i was like man he's gonna get this and you were like one of the only people that I know that was kind of going for that area. It's a niche area and super, like, again, hard to get into, but um, I knew that you were kind of going to get that. I was like, and you're right. All of us were kind of like, yeah, I'm going to do banking, which I left quickly after, <laughs> which is horrible. Right. And I started something that I really, really passionate about, but you were super smart and waiting and waiting and just getting that right opportunity, which kind of catapulted you into what you want to do, which um, I want to talk about one thing you touched on was traveling. I know traveling is big with you. Um, your Instagram is a lot about traveling. Tell me about what is traveling for you? Is it like a, a hobby? Is it something you just enjoy meeting different cultures, different places? Or what does that kind of mean for you? Man, not to keep talking about business school, because like, but I, rem I remember when I was applying to business school and you have to really do this deep reflection about who you are, what you're about, why you're going back. Yeah. And I asked my best friend, like, what would he say was the thing about me that like, stuck with him and he told me jesse i've never met anybody that seeks out discomfort the way you do he's like i could i feel like i could put you in a banquet with like ceos and presidents or you could be like in brazil in the slums or you could be in like asia and be the only black person and you would feel completely comfortable and you'd be going around talking to people and i think that originates from my curiosity and like travel like fuels and like ignites my curiosity to where it's a hobby it's a it's a it's a everything i just love it i love being outside of my comfort zone i love having to figure out how to navigate around the city yeah. um, i like talking to strangers yeah. i like seeing how people do things differently um and you're forced to do all those things and it's just it's kind of like a, a high for me like a natural high so i love it i love that yeah you you great that's one of our, my first international trips was you to Mexico City, good times. Um, that was cool. a good time. <laughs> we had to like push and pull to get you to come. I know, man, for the listeners, like, they, people know me, I'm very in my own thing. And so they got me out of my comfort zone. I'm, I'm very grateful for that. <laughs> um, you know, and along those lines, you know, we've talked a lot about like personal finance, investing. Um, ever since I know you, that's just something you I, I very often just chat about. Um, and so, you know, what was the first time you got into personal finance? What was your first um, kind of enlightenment when it came to like understanding your finances, your money, and things of that nature? Yeah. Um, so I, there's no way I could talk about this without talking about why finance became important to me. Hmm. Um, and so I grew up poor by American standards mm -hmm. um, and like had been on food stamps as a I, I, my parents divorced when I was like two or three, so they've been on food stamps. Um, 
you know, go back and forth between parents. I saw both of them struggle living paycheck to paycheck. Um, and I was just like, and, and, and actually my mom did a very good job of like teaching myself and my brother. And so when I was a kid, she managed, I learned a lot of negotiation stuff from my mom. That's a whole other <laughs> thing. She managed to get my brother and I into private schools, um, like based on our athletic ability and like, by doing that was able to get us an education because we couldn't afford the schools. So she like talked to, had some connections, talked to people and got us in. Um, but that allowed me to see how everybody else lives. Mm. So when I saw like, oh, okay, everybody's not struggling. I was like, I have to figure out like how not to live paycheck to paycheck. Mm. And so it was never a question what I was going to major in. I majored in finance. I never changed my major. Mm. And I remember being in, class in my finance classes and talking about like black shows like option pricing models and diversity in finance and i like would raise my hand and be like how do i actually buy a stock <laughs> and like the class would like erupt in laughter like, <laughs> like what <laughs> and the teacher would look at me like what was wrong with you and like i i didn't know anybody in my life that had actually bought a stock or where to go like it was like a foreign concept, even though I was learning like the tenets of finance. Um, and I feel like I've gotten off from your question, but no. like it, it was just because of how I grew up, I wanted to soak up everything I could. And then also my father was a very wise man, even though like he had his own struggles. But I remember one thing he told me when I was maybe in middle school was, nobody can take care of your money and your heart, but you. And so he was always very strong in understanding your money. I'm laughing because it's like ironic given like how we grew up, but he was like, I want you to learn how to manage your money, take care of it. And the same thing with your heart when it comes to relationships and dating, like, um, and I, I think you can do that with the financial advisor. Yeah. Um, but I still think it should be an opportunity for you to learn yeah. and you should still be on top of it. Even as you work with your financial advisor, kind of like working with a physical trainer, in the gym like they're there to guide you but if you're not working out and busting your ass too you're not going to get all the results you want that leads to that so you started learning about finance um which you got obviously well into then what what made you you actually have a partnership an investing group partnership with some brands some buddies uh talk to us about that what are you guys doing with that yeah so i was part of like a freshman scholarship class my freshman year at university of oklahoma um and just established some like close friendships um, with some gentlemen in the class. And after we graduated, two of us moved to Houston. Uh, one of us moved to like Utah. And I, I remember one of my friends, like he got a job with Exxon, like right out of school. Uh, I think he was a civil engineer, but you know, went into oil and gas and he was making almost double what I was making, like coming out of college. And he bought a house right away. And I was sitting in his house and we were just talking about, investing and like more even deeper than investing we were talking about what's the next step mm. all three of us had came from single parent households where we grew up um, with our mothers one of them his grandmother and as black men the statistics say we're not supposed to be here like mm. you know most men are incarcerated um, only a certain number even graduate college that's lower within um, black males and then to get jobs where immediately all of us were the highest earners in our family mm. um, was like, 
this isn't the end of the road. And so it was like, I think the end of the road, or at least further in the road is um, to be independently wealthy, where you don't have to work and you have the options to, you know, make choices or invest or go travel, whatever. And so when we were, we were talking about this and we were like, well, how do we get there? Um, we save, we invest. And so it didn't start out as a partnership. It was just literally, we calculated what our budgets were and then we set aside money each month that we would put into a joint savings account. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, I think we started putting like $50 a month in. Mm -hmm. And then, then like two years after that, we had, you know, increased the contributions, built up a few thousand. Then we decided, okay, what's next? And we were like, it, it was a learning and saving mechanism for us. Then we started, okay, let's get into the stock market. So mm -hmm. then we started investing in the stock market and we formed a partnership. Um, and then um, now like we've invested in some commercial property um, and we're looking to do like, you know, a multifamily real estate deal. And we're always open to like talking with smaller businesses to see if there's an opportunity for us to invest. And all that is like sounds fancy and stuff, but the core of it is we've never taken any money out and it was always extra money that we had set aside that we didn't need. And just, I mean, we all know compound interest, but just the compounding of us saving and increasing our contribution for like the last nine years, it's, it's just been, I mean, it's, it's heading us in that direction. And we still have a long way to go, a lot to learn, but it's forced us to come together and think about finance and learn and how to do new things. Wow, what, one, kudos to you guys, because you started early. A lot of people forget that point is, one, greatest one, eighth wonder of the world, compound interest, but also time, the, the time that allows you when you build it up over nine X, Y, Z, you started right out of, you know, right out of undergrad. And I was actually just in a meeting with a prospective client prior to this that it's, you know, just finished college and, you know, thinking about, we're thinking about starting a Roth IRA account, we were doing some calculations to show what that does over time when you invest, you save, you let compound interest do its work, you let time do its work. And I think the great thing about you guys coming together and pooling the funds, you get that multiplier effect and really just using your heads. I know you guys talked about how you guys have monthly calls on different things you might look to invest in and stuff like that um, on a quarterly basis. That's wonderful. That's super, super smart. Wait, hey, I actually can't, I can't bring it up and not say it. So we decided to name our partnership of the art investments because we always joke that there's like an art to this and there's no like guide or book that can tell you perfectly how to do it. And then shout out to Jonathan Sebastian Dunn and Roy Trenton Jamal Victor, who are my two partners in it. Love it. Yeah, shout out to you guys. All right, let's shift gears slightly. What's been up with quarantine? You're in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> now you may be a little bit of, I'm out. I'm on these streets. <laughs> but um, what have you been up to? How have you been handling quarantine? friends, family, dating life, what's been going on? I mean, are you just, are you trying to make the podcast sad? Like, <laughs> um, I mean, I, what's beautiful is that I live on Venice Beach in LA, being from Oklahoma and being landlocked, I was always like, I want to live by the water. Um, and that's been like a, a beautiful thing is going outside and almost in a sense, having the beach to myself and like with my neighbors. What's not is I'm a grown ass man and I live by myself. <laughs> And spending 95% or more of my time by myself is, and I'm a people person, has yeah. been an adjustment with a lot of highs and lows. Yeah. Um, 
But overall, I used it as a chance to reflect. Um, I felt like I went a solid two months where I legit didn't see another person, um, but read a lot. Um, I couldn't, I'm a big guy, um, so I couldn't hit the weights like I used to. So I decided to buy an Apple Watch and start running more. A friend Tulani invited me to a 60 mile challenge. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, <laughs> but, and then honestly, you asked about dating. And so um, I think after a while, you're like, man, and I, and I like to meet people out. I like to go approach somebody, talk to them, get a sense of their energy. But I was like, this is weird to approach somebody now. So like, it's either I don't date, I go the whole year without dating, or I get on an online dating app. So I asked around and I, I actually, I think you advised me. <laughs> um, and uh, Hinge was, you know, something that was, seemed like people were really looking to find deeper yeah. connections and um, you could learn about people. So I, I got on Hinge and have went on a few social distancing dates or like, met up and had like a picnic and talked. And what I've liked about it is, I think a lot of times in dating, you get mixed up in like the whole, oh, where is he taking me? Is he planning? Is he this or that? But it's just been good conversation. It's like people are more ready just to connect and get to know each other. And it's it's been good. And I also think there's just more people on there because of what's going on. No, you're, you're totally right. Like we are, I think everyone in this time is like recalibrated, right? If you like spending more time with family, friends. For me, it was like more time getting to run, work out, a little bit of reading too, obviously. Right? Like recalibrating the whole how we do dating, how we do social, how we do life. It's recalibrated in the next, I think it will go back to the norm, like the, the true norm in, a, in like a year or so, or even shorter. Like I think people really kind of go back to the norms this summer, to be honest, but it's to be seen like how quickly everyone Go back. That's really, yeah. really cool. Lastly, where can people find you, man? Um, you have a lot of great social stuff. People want to connect with you. How can they get in touch? Um, yeah, so um, my Instagram is meet Jesse, um, M E E T J E S S E. That's simple. Um, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, they can always connect with me through you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Wait. You did banking right out of undergrad. Um, it's a very, we both had experience in banking. It's very hierarchical. It's very, um, I would love to, yeah, tell me where, yeah, talk to me about your experience and what you thought and why we made that switch. Yeah. Um, I mean, as I said, I majored in finance in school. Um, and when I was graduating, it was around December 08, um, which was one of the worst times to graduate as opposed to now. Um, and Lehman Brothers had just failed in September for like frame of reference. Um, and our school went from like 100 people hiring to like 30 and then a lot of them, they were pushing the start dates like a year away. Um, I ended up getting an opportunity with Amogee Bank in Houston, Texas, which is a part of, part of Zion's Bank Corporation. Okay. Um, went through like an officer development program. Um, they teach you the ins and outs of loans agreements, like how to underwrite loans, and then eventually how to relationship manage and like, you know, progress your career. Yeah. Um, but a few things stand out to me from that experience that I take with me. One was I actually started my career in restructuring and workouts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've sued people. I've foreclosed on property. Um, I've restructured deals due to like the bad things that were going on in the broader economy. Mm-hmm. And one thing you learn from the banking side is people are always optimistic about their projections or plans. Mm-hmm. And then there's what actually happens. <laughs> um, and so that's like a, 
a lesson I've taken with me as I think about things like I want to try is always thinking about like other scenarios besides just like what you envision. Yeah. And then probably the other thing that will always stick with me is they teach you the five C's of credit. Yeah. Um, which I won't go in deeply into all of them, but capital, how much money you have, capacity, you think about like cash flow, collateral, that's mm-hmm. obvious, conditions, like what's going on in the broader economy. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is character. And mm-hmm. I remember, I don't even remember who at the bank taught me this, but I remember what he said, which was character is the one thing you can't mitigate against. Mm-hmm. If you have somebody you loan money to and they're a bad person or they're trying to deceive you, there's no way to mitigate against that. Mm-hmm. And so it's the most important of all of them. Mm-hmm. And in a way that's like relationship and life advice too, is like make sure your friends, people you date are people of character and you're surrounding yourself with um, good people. Oh, that's a really funny enough. Yeah, I started in as a credit analyst, so five C's, you actually know them better than me. I forgot about it long ago. But, you know, that's a good point in character. One thing that sticks out to me about you is always been genuine, always great character, the way you treat people, the way you're very respectful. Um, and I think that's, that you're right. Character is important in finance, too. When you think about what, you know, obviously what I do now, I think, you know, over 100 clients, everyone trusts uh, that I'm always honest and transparent in the way I do things. Obviously, the way you build relationships in past in finance and now in your, your new job, the people that had to love, you know, the character and know what you can bring to the table to even offer you such a crazy and amazing role. So that's really, really a good point. Um, I love that point. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, I trust you with my money. So <laughs> <laughs> appreciate that. What else? What else is on your mind? Uh, we've been just kicking out. I love this. Um, you know, get a chance. This is one interview I was really, really excited for because it's you know, someone I know really well, um, you know, talked a little bit about quarantine, your, your new steps. Um, is there anything fitness-wise that you're up to or anything in other <laughs> areas? Um, you're traveling now. What's, what else is going on? Um, fitness-wise, I feel like because I was, I, I should have said this when we were talking about uh, what I was up to during quarantine. I also feel like I was working two jobs during quarantine because mm-hmm. I was working at YouTube and I was like in, interviewing and prepping um, for like, uh, this new role. And so that was like a job in and of itself. Um, but fitness wise, I kind of like, I've been consistent. I started intermittent fasting, yes. um, but I wasn't able to like push it to the next level. Cause I felt so distracted by so many other things. So now, um, I want to like take it to the next level, run more, hopefully the gyms are open, find my way back to a gym and, you know, get back up to eight pack just so I can remind you who's like the sexiest out of the um, but, uh, the, the other thing that's on my mind is just like some personal finance tenants that I kind of, yes. I don't want to say, I, yeah, I guess I live by them. Um, and I don't know, do you want me to just rattle them off? Please. Yeah. Tell us those five tenants you live by. That's a great question. Yes. Uh, well, not, not necessarily five, but, um, I want to, I'll start with the story. Um, a good buddy of mine, he's actually a financial advisor too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've known him back in my banking days. We started in Houston around the same time. He used to work at Merrill Lynch and now started his own firm in New Orleans, which I think I told you needs you to connect with him. Y'all definitely should. Um, but I remember we had joined Houston Area Urban League Young Professionals, mm-hmm. like right out of undergrad. And him and I were both on a home buying committee. He had bought a house. I was in the process of buying a house. And so we were putting stuff together and we like brought in 
like some hoity-toity financial advisors and they were doing a panel and they were talking about like all the stuff you should do to like save money. Mm -hmm. And it's always the case where people like jump right to the complex stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember somebody stood up in the audience and asked the question like, what, what is like the number one thing I should do if like I want to build wealth? Um, and they just jumped to like investing and like <laughs> options and all this other stuff, what their clients do. And my friend Jared was like just shaking at the rim, like, oh my gosh, oh my. And finally, I don't, I don't know if this is imagined or if he actually did it, but it felt like he just stood up and said, have a budget, like, yeah. like, like basic. And like, that's always been my biggest thing whenever I talk to anybody is like, not only have a budget, but know like memorize where your money is coming in, where it's going out, how much you're spending on everything. Like, and maybe this is the type of person I am. I know what my interest rate is on my house. Mm -hmm. I, I remember how much I put down. If you ask me how much my Wi-Fi bill is right now and what date of the month that it's due, I know that. <laughs> and I feel like that level of like clarity is very important into like knowing where you have room to move and save, et cetera. Um, so that would be one. That's a lot for number one. Um, number two is, I I think, a big ticket items. Yeah. Um, I grew up with my mom couponing and going to the grocery store and garage selling, which is a skill few know about, um, to like find ways to save money. But as I've gotten older, and I I did that in college, I did it after college, but then I realized, okay um there's better ways to do this i think the biggest thing you can do is increase your income yes like inst instead of focusing on all the things what can you do how can you work smarter to increase your income because if you increase your income the in expenses become less and less i don't want to say relevant but like important not as restrictive yes. um and then with that same mindset then the next thing a lot of people want to nitpick on the small things but it's how can you control your major expenses so your rent is often anywhere from 15% up to 50% of like your income or depending on like how, how you like to live. Um, but if I can lower my rent, I can live easier on everything else. So like when I'm thinking about where I'm going to live, that's something I take thorough time with. And I set like how much I'm going to spend based on my budget. Um, and I stick to that because I know, you know, when you just think about it, like if I'm paying $2,000 a month over 12 months, that's 24,000 a year. Mm -hmm. If I'm able um, to, to pay $1,000 less, that's $12,000 you save. If yep. you're able to pay 1,500, that's $6,000 in a year you save. And so that's, that's a huge difference. Um, and same thing, like I've, <laughs> I've owned the same car for the last eight years and it's been paid off. And I see people with flat, and I'm just like, yeah, but I don't have a car payment and that makes me happy. Um, so, and then, and then probably the, the last um, one, which is kind of like a bundle of things, is I think there's a lot of things that aren't aligned with finance, um, finance tenants. Um, and you have to learn what those are and make those personal decisions. Um, so much of finance is in planning for the long term, yeah. but I don't, I don't think what's talked about enough is like the death concept. Like it's finding balance because you could be saving, you know, this is extreme, but 50% of what you make 
Um, but then something happens like, you know, forbid and you pass away like in a year or two. And like, I'm not advocating that you shouldn't plan or set up life insurance or stuff like that, but you have to find a balance between living now in the moment, traveling, experiencing things, and then saving for the future. Um, and then I, I think something else is on concepts like, um, if you have a job where you're lucky enough to get equity or RSUs, um, some common finance knowledge would tell you that you need to diversify. Yeah. Um, but again, my friend, like a lot of wealthy individuals, and we were having a conversation about when you look at a lot of wealthy people's financial statements, you'll see that they still have like stock from GE from like 60 years ago mm -hmm. that they passed down to generations and is at an incredibly low cost basis. And I think I hear a lot of times people are like, oh, if you get companies like you should sell to diversify, but no, like <laughs> that stuff can be extremely valuable. Not only that, when you need money, you can take like a, a margin loan out on it, keep mm -hmm. the stock and be able to live and pay that back. Um, and what that does is that allows, if it's a, a good company to like, again, compound over time. And it, it goes against some of the common things that I've heard. And then another one is like, paying down debt yeah um, obviously there's different types of debt um, but you know some people say you should pay it off pay it down right away but you know I mean I'm of the mindset that I treat myself like a business mm -hmm. and so when I think about stuff like student loans I like this would be like a deeper explanation but I think about return on equity and this is something I've, I, I won't take credit for this it's kind of like um, by taking on debt as you increase your income, you get a higher return on the money and time you've invested. Yep. And so the principle is if I know that my earnings are gonna go up in life, then I'm not in a rush to pay down my student loans. Matter of fact, I wanna do the opposite. I wanna have the longest term possible and pay as little on it so that I get a higher return on what I originally invested. Um, so yeah, th those are just a lot, of, a lot of thoughts I have about personal finance. And I, I actually think all those things come before you ever get to investing in the stock market or doing more sophisticated things. Because if you're not doing those things right, you don't even need to be in that space. Well, you hit a, a lot of good things and you were very aligned, like budget, first thing. Whenever I talk to people, want to see what the budget is, what the emergency fund situation, situation looks like, what their savings plan looks like, their debt paid out. And then you also hit on another big point that I think people forget is, there is no get rich quick, right? You can't get rich quick by doing these trading things that people are selling you on. You can't get rich quick by doing all these things. But you can increase your income through a lot of hard work, through promotions, through side hustles. That's like some people think people forget or maybe it's just not a big enough um, motivation to, you know, get to some certain goals. But you can't like do anything other than, you know, increasing your income is one way. You can cut expenses, yes, right? You have to sacrifice some things, which a lot of times people aren't willing to. But increasing income is huge, and it's done through you know climbing up the career ladder, or you know starting the side hustle, or doing something of that nature. And then lastly, I forgot the last point you talked about, which was um, that I had a point on the last point. What was the last just? It, it was just talking about how there's a lot of financial concepts that like I disagree with yes. that are taught that are taught, and it's it's not always what actually people do to become wealthy. Yeah. Or yeah, and the debt portion, hundred percent agree. People are very like. Dave Ramsey, Susie Orman, all these people drummed in people's head that, you know, debt is like horrible and it's going to crush you. When in reality, you look at the interest rate on debt versus, you know, 
conservative look at the return on the market. If you take any calculator and look at, you know, putting extra money into the market versus putting extra on your, your you know, student loans, the, the math will clearly tell you that you should probably put money on your loan. And you're right, it is a return on investment. Both of us went to top M7 business schools because it catapulted us into areas that we wanted to, right? And so we need to increase income, we need to do these sort of things. And so I don't look at student loan. If you look at any wealthy person's balance sheet, they have loans on it. They're borrowing other people's money to fund their, to, to fund their, their what they're doing to get a, like I said, a better return on investment. So that's another, another great point that you just brought up. So I think those three are really, really strong. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, probably if I had like one last thought, like before we dip off the call, yeah. um, I'd just like to say I'm proud of you. Um, I, I remember in school, you were so focused on investment banking. And I, I think I maybe even like teased you or hard on you. Like, man, I came from banking. Are you sure you want that life, man? You're going to be working 80, hundred hour weeks. I don't know if it's worth it, you know, whatever. Um, but you went and did it. And then to see you, you know, realize that you had a, a greater or something that was more aligned with uh, your interest calling and then take that step to switch and pivot to that and then start building up clientele and like helping people um, is amazing. Um, so I'm proud of you and you're still uglier than me, but <laughs> you, know, you can't help that. I appreciate you, man.